Good morning, St. Luke's. So I'm Eleanor Marshall. I usually sit in the back corner there, and you all have lovely hair. But it's great to be up here where I can see your faces. It's a nice, fresh perspective. I'm a teacher by vocation, an academic. Many years ago, a journalist told me that she finds it hard to interview academics because we take so long to get to the point. Another colleague of mine used to say that the main job of academics is to complicate the simple. Whenever I get the chance to preach, and it does feel like a chance, I like to do it, I think of those two things. Academics take a long time to get to the point, and we complicate the simple. So let me try to do a little bit better right from the start. The gospel passage is simply a confirmation that John was a prophet and Jesus is the Messiah. Wouldn't it be so much more fun to complicate that interpretation a little bit, though? I think so. So here's my point. This passage invites us to see and hear in a new way, to perceive in the real news of the world also the good news of possibilities unfolding. This morning's gospel reading continues to draw our attention to John. Now in prison... John is wondering if the man called Jesus is really the one whose coming he has announced. Is Jesus really the Messiah? So from prison, he sends his disciples to find out what they can. Jesus receives the query and responds with a montage of messianic imagery from the scrolls of Isaiah. More about Jesus' response in a minute. But first, let's think a little bit more about John. In the Gospel according to Matthew, we first meet John as a grown-up. The Baptist that Horace preached about or claimed last week. We meet him out in the wilderness, eating locusts and honey, wearing camel's hair clothing, calling for repentance, proclaiming that the kingdom of God is near, and baptizing people in the River Jordan. Jesus travels from Galilee to the river to also be baptized by John, and when Jesus rises out of the water, a dove descends and a voice says, This is my son, the beloved with whom I am well pleased. Then Jesus and John part ways, and the storyline, of course, follows Jesus. In chapter 11 of Matthew, where we are today, we learn that John is now in prison for speaking against Herod's marriage, and later, in chapter 14 of Matthew, we read the gruesome story of John's execution, which was effectively a party favor for the bride. There's another story about John in the Gospel of Luke, another meeting of John and Jesus that Will Gaffney would want us to talk about, I think. After Mary is visited by the angel with the startling news of her pregnancy, she travels to a town in the hills of Judah to visit her cousin, Elizabeth, who is pregnant with John. And when Mary greets Elizabeth, the baby in Elizabeth's womb leaps. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. So to situate the gospel reading today in the life of John, we have here a man who is in prison, no doubt waiting every day for the violent and erratic Herod to put him to death, 
a man who has given his entire life to proclaiming the coming of the Messiah, a man who, while still a baby in the womb, knew that Christ was coming into the world, a man who baptized untold numbers of people with this prophecy and this promise, a man whose very identity was bound up with being the one to prepare the way. This man, awaiting death, isolated in prison, sends words to his disciples with the most human of questions. So how's it going out there? This is a time of year when we ask that question a lot. How's it going? The end of the year is a season of evaluation. As a teacher, I'm evaluating my students' work right now, and they are evaluating the class and me. <laughs> In your various professions, you are no doubt looking back over the year and asking some form of the question, how's it going? Are programs doing what you intended? Are staff performing as you hoped? Are clients receiving the services that you promised? In our civic life, we might pause to consider how elected officials are doing. What's happening with legislation, with judicial appointments and court rulings? What about movements of resistance or justice that you're engaged in or observing? How's it going out there? Is the movement strong? Is it making an impact? Are you changing minds, making legislative inroads? As we gather with family and reconnect with friends over the holidays, we ask, how's it going? I know Catherine, like every college student home from the holidays, will field that question a million times over the next month. How's it going? Oh, and how about the World Cup? How's that going? I promised my family I would work the World Cup into the sermon, so there you go. What was it? <laughs> You're welcome. The end of the year is also a time when we get properly reflective in quiet, personal ways, in interaction with others, or in the written note in the Christmas or New Year's card. How's it going? Are you well? Who do you miss this season? What are you worrying about? Where do you find joy? Are you happy? We as a church ask how it's going. In worship and stewardship campaigns and educational offerings and programs, relationship building, music, welcoming, serving and praying, how's it going? John's life is incredibly strange to us in many ways, maybe in every way, but his question could not be more familiar. How's it going? Now, Jesus doesn't scold John for asking the question. And that's worth noting, because in other stories, Jesus seems frustrated by the persistence of similar questions from his disciples. But with John the prophet, Jesus simply responds, Tell him what you see and hear. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. There's a lot more Jesus could name about how things are going, but this list connects Jesus's ministries, healing ministries, to the prophetic language in Isaiah with which John was so familiar. So this is Jesus's way of saying, I am who John said I was. 
now carry that witness back to the prophet. So after Jesus graciously responds to John's question, he turns to the crowd to sing John's praises. He asks the people what they went out into the wilderness to look at. A reed shaken by the wind? Someone dressed in soft robes? A prophet? In his typically indirect and interrogative way, Jesus tells the crowd what they were actually seeing when they saw and heard John. John is even more than a prophet, Jesus says. He is the one who prepared the way. He is the greatest among those born of women. Now, as we all know, there is seeing and there is seeing. There is hearing and there is hearing. The many references to seeing and hearing in this passage suggest that the quality of our observation matters. Think about these two key moments together. Jesus responds to John's query by instructing John's disciples to tell John about what you see and hear, and then he lists things for them. And then he pivots to the crowd with the question that suggests that their perceptions were somehow misguided. What then did you go out to see, he asks. In its most direct sense, this passage functions as a confirmation that John was a prophet and Jesus is the Messiah, but there's also a deeper lesson here about how we respond to that ever-present question. How's it going? What do we see and hear in our assessments and in our sharing? So go back, if you will, to the litany of things I suggested that you might be evaluating in this season. Are you reflecting on your personal life, your family situation, your career, your education, your community, our church, political developments, social movements, our ecological situation? In your reflections and assessments, what do you see and hear? When we pause for this kind of reflection at the social and ecological level, we have to admit that things are incredibly discouraging. Our communities are filled with multiple forms of violence, with poverty, disease, isolation. We are destroying the planet. We are turning our backs on each other. We are neglecting the vulnerable. And also, in every bleak place, there is someone trying to make things better. In every context of violence, there is someone resisting it and pursuing an alternative. In every context of pain, there is someone providing comfort. We see tremendous sadness and danger and grief and loss, and we also see beauty and recovery and healing and joy. The way we see and hear matters. The gospel calls us to attend to the pains of the world and to also live out the conviction that God is always and everywhere doing a new thing. At every level of experience, from the ecological to the interpersonal, God is at work creating new possibilities. Today's gospel challenges us to see and hear the real news of the world in a new way, 
to perceive in the real news of the world and the hardest news of our lives also the good news of possibilities unfolding. Today's gospel takes that familiar question, how's it going out there? And it gives it back to us as an exercise of faith. Do we perceive the presence of God still out there? In the midst of all the hard and discouraging and heartbreaking and tragic things, do you still perceive the presence of God? In the midst of personal loss or hypercritical judgment or cultural skepticism, in the busyness of your frenetic pace, and even in the ho-humness of the mundane or the too quiet spaces of lonely days, do you still hear and see the radically, wondrously, sorry, the wondrously radical offer of grace. That's the work of faith year-round, for sure. But we take it up with intensity in this season of Advent. As followers of the one John prepared for, we have a charge to keep, to take a long, hard look at this world and our lives exactly as they are, and still perceive within them the movement of a God who loves us. Now, Scripture doesn't tell us about the report back to John. We don't know exactly if or how that happened. But I would like to believe that it did, that John's disciples were able to get Jesus' message back to him, to describe to John what they see and hear, that they were able to share that witness back to the prophet. I would like to believe that in John's last days, as he awaited his fate at the hands of that violent and erratic ruler, that he experienced the kind of peace we all long for when we strive or hope for something. Of course, scripture rarely wraps things up neatly for us, and that's okay. We know that John's story does not drop out of the gospel. Rather, the gospel is John's unbelievable story unfolding. Do you see it? Amen.